I have had a lifelong passion for railroading since I was little. I was very young. I liked trains. I grew up in a place where they were frequent. I watched them all the time. I was fascinated by their operations and equipment and the whole thing about railroading was just remarkably interesting to me and I've never gotten it out of my blood. I've accumulated books and memorabilia. I've been in clubs and museums and, and uh, I've worked with uh, all sorts of railroad equipment over the years, even pulled the throttle on the main line a couple of times. Uh, I have, as a result of that hobby, a natural expression is model railroading, which is something that I do, but infrequently, uh, simply because it's time consuming and costly in a lot of ways. But I love to build miniature models of the things that fascinate me most. And when I've done it well, you would look at it and say, that looks just like that place down there or something we've seen. And for model railroaders, there's a big distinction between model railroading and toy train collecting. So I just want you to understand if you know somebody's got toy trains, uh, model railroaders are people who are, who are in a way craftsmen and women and artisans. They're, they're trying to reproduce something that looks real just in miniature. And uh, it can be quite a complex endeavor and it can involve years of work to get that model world that you've been trying to create. Some of you have probably seen these little wonderlands that people have created and you have to admit it's pretty amazing to see what people can reproduce in miniature. And what I've learned is that model railroaders are particularly troubled by this aspect of the hobby where it just never feels like you're done. And it's partly because you don't want to be done, because you get so much pleasure out of the problem solving and the creative effort and all of the, the little details that just really make things come to life. And, and one of the hardest things for a model railroader to do is put the tools down and step back and look at it and just watch it run and just enjoy what you've created. And that leads to this message about Sabbath. As I relate this experience through my hobbies and interests, the first thing I realize is that even God took a break. That God meticulously created a world that is far more complex and sophisticated than anything I can make with a little bit of plaster and dust. But God, even God, took a break. Just sat back and looked at it and enjoyed it because it was good. We've been talking in the podcast that I do about the nature of God, and we talked this week on that podcast about the fact that God creates, and we asked the question, why does God create? Why did God create? What's the point? Did God need something? And if God is God, then what would God need? And then it kind of begins to dawn on you that God just needs to create. That that image of God that has been imparted to us is most often seen in our creative effort. And we are spiritual beings. That is that we share that interest in creating with God. And God has invited us to join in the creative processes in so many ways. And 
if you were to just take this day and think about all the creative processes that you've already been engaged in and think about all the creative processes that you will engage in before the day's out and you might be thinking yeah you know so I'll cook a meal today or I'll fix my daughter's hair today or I'll sing a song today or I will create a new paradigm in my mind you know and and on and on it goes so so we're all naturally creative and some of us are creative in that we build and manage businesses successfully and we run our department really well or we do our particular task in a certain way and there's a creativity to it and you will find that people who don't get to do things that are creative in one part of their lives will always find some other place in their life where they invest in being creative. But just like the model railroader I told you about, we have to stop once in a while and just appreciate what God has created and therefore appreciate God. Now, one of the many sources that I go to for inspiration is a guy named Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and he tells this story about a Beverly Hills tycoon who was really dismayed because his son had decided not to continue in uh, with his father's business, but rather to go to yeshiva to learn uh, the, the Torah. And after several years, the son returned home to his father's sardonic questions so what have you got to show for all these years of study and the son said i know there is a god the father is angry and he leaps to his feet and he points out the window to the gardener who's working patiently out in the backyard of their beautiful estate and he says that guy knows there's a god and that's when the son says no father he believes there is a God. I know. When we take time from our endeavors to stop and just be in the presence of God, we really get to know God's heart and mind. We really get to understand how the world really works. And we begin to understand that God's handiwork is all around us and we begin to witness where God is at work and where God is inviting us to join with God in that work but sometimes we're so busy making things and doing things that we never bother to look at what God has created and what God is doing now, the surest way for you to know God's heart and mind is to get into the Bible with other believers and study it. Paul has astutely pointed that out to you, that you must study Scripture. It's essential. Like the man in the illustration I just read, studying the Word of God will help you to really know God's heart and mind. And so it's vitally important that during your Sabbath time, you don't discontinue the process of studying Scripture. Because what you'll find is, as you read with an open mind and an open heart, is the, this majestic and mysterious creator of ours, who is entirely knowable, but entirely beyond our ken, as uh, it has been said, beyond our understanding. And 
what we get in return for our effort is a greater clarity about who we are, who we are in God, and what God cares most about. And we begin to realize that we're not here really to do things for God. We're here to do things with God. And that makes all the difference. We have to stop worrying about God judging us because we did or didn't do something that we thought God wanted us to do. Rather, we have to focus on being with God and trust that God will lead us wherever God wants us to be. And the only way to get back in the habit of doing things with God instead of for God is to stop doing things altogether for a little while and just chill out. That's the modern word for Sabbath. Chill out. So I have a proposition for you, Shiloh. As your new senior pastor and a guy with a little bit of an attitude, I'm, I'm going to give you my manifesto here. Now, when we began this series of messages about the gift of Jubilee, it probably sounded to you like I was trying to get you to forgive and forget some things and let yourself be forgiven and forgetting of certain things. But that really was just a small part of the process. That was the reflecting, that was the repenting, that was the part where we try to uh, realign ourselves and put some things behind us. And that was really important. That was our day of atonement. So these last, first couple of weeks of this message, the last week, that was really our day of atonement. That was our time to just say, okay, I'm done. You know, I, I know there's still grief out there over certain things. I know that there's still unsettled things, but I'm done. I want to focus on you, God. I want to focus on what you're doing. And I know if I don't stop ruminating over this stuff, you know what ruminating means? You young people, you live in the country, you've seen a cow out there eating grass. He chews it, swallows it, spits it up, chews it some more, swallows it, spits it up, and chews it some more. That's ruminating. <laughs> I know you thought it was another word, but I don't like saying that word in public. So, stop chewing on stuff, swallowing it, spitting it up, and chewing it on some more. That, that's what the first part of Jubilee is all about. Let it go. But here's the real point of taking you down this road towards a Jubilee gift that God gives. We're called to a season of rest. We're called to a season where we're going to stop rowing and just drift on the current of God's grace for a season. We're going to continue to harvest those things that have been planted, but we're not going to plant anymore. And when it feels like we've used up all those things that we've already planted, we're going to start getting anxious, just like they did back in the days when they tried to do this Jubilee thing, and it literally their lives depended on it. And we're going to start wondering if it shouldn't be a good idea to, so, you know, so somebody's going to say to me in February, Pastor, don't you think it's time to cancel Jubilee and get on with the church? And I'm going to say, no. No, because this is where the faith begins, this is where the faith journey really begins. 
Now, you might be thinking, what is he talking about? I mean, you know, well, we're not talking about it in a material way now. We're talking about it more in a spiritual way. So we're really not talking about everybody in the church quitting their jobs for a year. And, you know, I'm sure you guys that just came up here for prayer are thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll take a year off from school, Pastor Dan. No, we're talking spiritual here. We're talking about Shiloh United Methodist Church here. What if we spent the year proclaiming good news to the poor, binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming freedom to captives and relief, release from darkness for prisoners? What if we proclaimed the year of God's favor? What if we comforted those who mourn and provide for those who grieve. In this season, we're going home, like it says in Leviticus 25. Go home. Now we're talking about going home to our spiritual home, going back to God's throne room of grace to go sit with the Father for a season. It, it, just as an aside, one of the great blessings of moving here to Jasper for my family is that I get to go home as often as I want to now to spend some time with my parents as they reach the final days of their lives. And I get to be with my parents. I get to go home. And God facilitated that by bringing me here. We're going to take time to learn together in God's Word. We're going to take time for community building and relationships and laughter and friendship. We're going to remember that God made us a family. You understand, don't you, that when you became a Christian and Jesus saved you and you were born again through the Holy Spirit, you became born into a family that Christ invites you into. Therefore, you're brothers and sisters with Christ, but you're also brothers and sisters with each other. You are my family in Christ. It's time to spend some time hanging out with the family. It's time for a good picnic and some games that make us all look silly and laugh. It's time to eat lots of stuff. Well, no, wait, Strassen Fest has got that covered. Um, we'll find an excuse to eat some more later, I'm sure. It's time for us to learn together, to just spend time in the Word together and, and talking like a family about what our Heavenly Father cares about. You tell me what you see God doing, I'll tell you what I see God doing. And we'll rest on it for a season, and then at the end of the season, we will have together discerned pretty accurately what God would have us sow for our next crops. So, like Paul said, I'm really trying for us to focus on worship by people and with people who worship God because they just can't help it. I want to focus us on prayer because prayer is powerful, because our Father wants us to sit with Him and just talk about our day and talk about our hopes and dreams and listen for God's hopes and dreams in our midst. I want us to not focus so much on programs and 
fixing things and you know all of these maintenance things will have to be taken care of but i don't want us to get too ahead of ourselves before we've had a season of waiting and listening for god's voice and i will say this in conclusion and that that we must not stop being a home for those who are strangers in our midst this is not something that we can stop doing. In other words, look at the, the uh, uh, messages as presented in, in the story of Boaz, for example, and, and uh, uh, Ruth and Naomi, and just think about this for a second. It's vitally important that we always leave fruit for people to glean who have no other place to get their fruit. So the doors will always be open. You'll say, well, Pastor, you said we weren't going to do anything new. Yeah, we're not going to do anything new, but we're going to do some old things better than we've been doing them. And one of those things is caring for the newcomer in our midst. There's going to be a very intentional effort to train ourselves and to greet and welcome those people in a way that helps them to know that they are loved and not needed. Can we say that again? We're going to welcome them so that they know they are loved and not needed. We don't need their money. We don't need their help with Sunday school classes or anything else. We just need to love them. Okay? This is what this season of Jubilee Sabbath is supposed to be. And I want to urge you, and I promise you that I'm actually going to be urging the leaders in our various meetings and things to take the Sabbath thing seriously. And I bet you, you will be blown away by this time next year at all the things that God has done in our midst because we stop working and let God take it for a while. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's break bread together now, which seems like an entirely appropriate way to respond to this beginning challenge of our year of Jubilee. Paul's going to prepare the elements, and I want to just remind you that Jesus initiated this act of worship on the night before he died, and he said, as often as you eat and drink, you should remember that I died so that you would be able to be in a relationship with the Father. As often as you drink and eat, you will remember that the blood that I shed becomes the blood on the doorposts of your life that tells the Lord and everyone else that Christ has saved me. And so we pray, pour out your Holy Spirit, Lord, on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body and blood of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, and in the holy, your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ, the cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. Come and receive the body of Christ. Come and receive the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm.